drinks have been poured. The candle is lit. Excuse me. The violet and patchouli candle has been lit. Welcome to the Horror Salon. I'm your co-host, Ann Demick. And I'm your co-host, The Witch. We have a really special show for you today. What are we talking about today, Ann Demick? The Universal Classic Monsters. All the classics. <laughs> so to get us started, when we were trying to think through what should our Pazuzu Juice Hour be for today, <laughs> um, we kind of landed on we needed to do a classic cocktail. Yes. That makes sense, right? Classic yeah. movie, classic cocktail. I'm going to sit so. down. I'm going to watch my black and white movie with my fancy drink and hold my pinky out like I'm a fancy lady. Well, this drink's going to just have me watching the back of my eyelids from flat on the floor. That is... I'm just saying. Right. That's right. This is very <laughs> booze forward, everybody. So um, what we have for you today is what we call or what they call an aviation cocktail. Um, so this is a gin-based drink. I like to describe it as it's very... It, I wouldn't say very sweet, but there's a sweetness to it, a little bit of sourness to it, and it's very floral. I don't. It is uh, highly floral. Highly, highly. As in, I'm going to be on the floral. On the floral, <laughs> with the floral. Exactly. That's right. Um, so I should say one thing that we're trying to do is we're trying to post the recipes or just basically what we're drinking that day, this mm -hmm. night, tonight, um, up on our website and also up on our Instagram ahead of the show so that if you feel so inclined, you can drink along with us at the Horror Salon or, you know, bookmark it and drink on the weekends. That's fine, too. Yeah. Um, but today, like I said, we're drinking the aviation. So find the recipe for this on our website and also up on our Instagram. Um, one thing I will note about this before we take our first sip is this is like a really pretty drink that you can make pretty easily. It is a very, very dainty. It's a dainty. It's purple. It's very, it's very picturesque. It's, it is. It's like put it up on the gram. All Translate. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> Put it up on the Instagram. It is. It's very pretty. It smells really good. Um, we have zested it with lemon. Lemon, yes. Uh, where we did a twisty thing and then rubbed it around the rim and then threw it in the drink. Yes, exactly right. All right. All right, you ready? Let's, let's do this. Oh. It's very busy. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. How are you feeling, Andy? Well, I'm still talking. You're still talking. Very, very quiet. Holy Hannah. Holy Hannah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is good. Mm -hmm. But wow. But it's a drink. It, yeah. The gin, I can taste the hint of the gin mm -hmm. behind the, the floral. The creme. Mm -hmm. The onslaught. A floral uh, mass murder. I don't know what yeah. it is, but yes, it's murdering my my. Taste. It's like you're drinking a field of violets. You are Dorothy, but instead of in a you know poppy, poppy field, or you know on her trip, uh, we're on a violet trip. You like French kissing a violet, French kissing that violet, and falling asleep. Falling asleep. So aviation. 
Thank you, witch. It tastes, tastes you a little time. Uh, <clears throat> get in your mouth. So there you go. My throat is hot. <laughs> throat is hot. <laughs> Great. All right. Now, enough of this tomfoolery. Yes. On to the real reason you showed up today. Yeah. The class. Well, I don't know. Maybe you showed up now at this point to watch Andemic, you know, gag over some drinks. I know I would show up to that show. <laughs> hey. I do. You do show up. <laughs> you are the reason for it. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> okay, so we, when we were trying to figure out what we wanted our episodes to be about, we thought one should definitely be about the Universal Classic Marvel. Um, I think a lot of horror fans uh, get their first taste uh, or are bitten by the horror bug from these classic monsters. Um, while there are a ton of movies from this time period that Universal did between 1923 and 1955, roughly, we're going to focus on the first appearances of several of the icons. Uh, we will not be talking about I'm just going to give a shout out now. We're not going to be talking about The Hunchback of Notre Dame or The Phantom of the Opera in this episode, but they are well worth seeing. That Phantom of the Opera monster is something. Um, so anyway, anything you want to add to that that little opening? No, there? I think Which? that's fantastic. I will add that I have never, I'm terrible. I've never watched uh, Phantom of the Opera or The Hunchback, oh. the originals. Oh. So I should add those to my list. You should definitely worth a mm -hmm. definitely worth a watch. Um, so I did a little research for this episode, and I I was on this really great website. Uh, Cinelinks.com. It's oh, cool. C I N E L I N X.com. That will be on our program notes later. Yeah, we'll put it on our show. Um, I learned that the modern horror movies basically have their roots planted in German expressionism um, and German expressionist filmmaking. Huh. And they did a lot of experimenting as a result of World War I and the horrors and atrocities that were happening in, at that time. Um, and the art began to reflect the sentiments of the nation, which it often does. So it was like their creative outlet after I, yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, things got dark and depressing. Um, the psychological impact of war on people. So all of this was reflected in, in what they were doing in the day. And the, because the typical themes of that time period were, you know, more flowery, romantic kind of things. And um, it just no longer seemed, seemed appropriate for, mm -hmm. for what was happening. Um, so all of this was happening in Germany and I, I did not list any of the movies that they were making there. Um, that's something that if you want to do some further research, um, please do. But I do know that these movies influenced Hollywood and basically this is what brought the, these universal classic monster movies are what brought this theme and this genre to um, to America, to the United States. And so we're going to talk about uh, Count Dracula, mm -hmm. Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, the invisible man, the wolf man, and the creature from the Black Lagoon. So some absolute classics. Classic. And these are all from the 1930s. Um, and I think maybe one from the 40s or early 50s. I think... Wolfman was in the 40s, and Creature might have been the 50s. I think it was 54. Yeah. Well, yeah we'll get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, there was another website that I was on, too. It's uh, classics, classicsmonsters.com. We'll also have a link to that. Um, but I was just sitting there imagining 
watching these movies for the first time in the 30s and 40s and seeing this thing that you've never seen before um, and uh, against this backdrop of World War, but also in the U.S., the Great Depression. Right. Um, So I I don't know. I I imagine they were quite impacted. I imagine so, too. I imagine especially... So a little bit about my background at the classic horror monsters. I uh, I started watching them when I was real little. We all know this. I started watching horror way younger than I should have. But my <laughs> entry point was with these kind of creature yeah. features and monster picks and things like that. And I can tell you that from a very young child's perspective, they were captivating horrifying but Mm -hmm. also very alluring so I imagine and not that a young child's perspective is the same as someone who's going through something like the great depression but seeing this for the first time I guess that's the that's the angle I would kind of compare it to right um there's something about like just the air of mystery and the very expressive nature of these films Mm -hmm. and um, the dark landscapes, the dark landscapes and the score, the musical score, score. the music, unbelievable music. Um, It's different. It's it's very captivating, just cinematically, Mm -hmm. very captivating. So I imagine that would have been something to see back then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So should we get started then? Yeah, Um, we should. So one of the things I wanted to kind of bring up with you and because Andemic and I are both literature nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, is that three, well, at least three, I believe only three of the ones we're talking about tonight, Dracula, Frankenstein, and The Invisible Man, mm-hmm. are based on literary works. So I wasn't sure, have you read all three of those books before? I have, but it has been... A minute. A minute and a half. A minute and a half. Yes. Yeah. Um, but my stock answer... I think I know what you're going to ask next is did these movies hit the mark yeah of of the the work um my stock answer is the movies always tend to miss something because books are so rich in detail they are and a movie only has you know an hour and you know 20 minutes or whatever um so I think the spirit yes. of the movies or the, I'm sorry the spirit of the book is intact I, yes, I would I would totally agree with that. I would actually say I was a little shocked at how because I, I I watched these like I said a long time ago, mm-hmm. way before I read the books. Mm-hmm. So now going back through them after having read the books, um, I am shocked at how closely Invisible mm-hmm. Man follows the book. Yeah, that movie is that book. Excellent. Yeah, it, yeah. That, that it's just the. That book, you basically read it if you watched The Invisible Man. Um, Dracula and Frankenstein, they take some more creative liberties, which I think, again, they do follow the essence and heart of the literature, but they take a little bit more creative liberties. And maybe that's because they have an actual monster to work with, (laughs) just not air. Right, right, right. (laughs) Um, But I was shocked at how closely Invisible Man follows the book. So I just wanted to give a shout out there. So we'll just uh, say, just since we're talking about it, um, Dracula... Uh, was written by Bram Stoker. Yes. And uh, Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus, it's mm-hmm. called, uh, was written by Mary Shelley in 1818. Yep. Um, and then The Invisible Man uh, was written by H.G. Wells. Yes. I did not write down the date. An H.G. Wells novel. Yes. Oh, anyway. um, I will say, if you are like, 
a literature nerd like yeah. we are and you were like, oh, I, I want to read that book. I haven't picked that one up. Um, of all three of those, The Invisible Man is definitely the shortest. Mm-hmm. So it might be a good entry point um, and also the closest, I think, yeah. to the film. Okay. Um, but I love all of those books for very different reasons. Very different reasons. Yes. Um, so I'd recommend any of them. But yeah, I just I also love that they chose to I think that was such a smart move on Universal's part as they chose three already existing works Mm -hmm. so they had kind of a story to build Mm -hmm. on and they had characters and settings and landscapes and some semblance of a storyline or plot line and they Mm -hmm. could take creative liberties sure Mm -hmm. but they had a scaffolding Uh, yeah like a skeleton yeah skeleton (laughs) um so I think I think that allowed those movies to be really successful yeah yeah Great. Okay, so uh, we're talking about the 1931 Count Dracula. Okay. Uh, starring in the lead role, uh, Mr. Bella Lugosi. Oh my gosh. A horror icon in his own right. Um, before we, I guess before we, we talk about that movie, this movie so much, I feel like we have to give a shout out to uh, Nosferatu. The F.W. Oh, yeah. Mur- Murnau, I think is how you say his name, film from 1922. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a silent movie, but damn, that movie's creepy. Oh, that movie's terrifying. And it holds up for me, anyway, as creepy. Count Orlock, who is the the, the Dracula figure, yes. Count Orlock, <clears throat> is terrifying. And I would argue Count Orlock is scarier than any physical now i will say dracula like his demeanor mm-hmm. scary in a lot of the subsequent films but like yeah. just the pure look the look of him yeah count orlock's way scarier than dracula agreed fingers with the yeah. finger all yeah. oh, those fingers <laughs> and the two teeth the two teeth oh and get out of yeah. my room <laughs> it's funny that you just said that <laughs> it's really funny you just said that actually because um count orlock i wrote this down Count Orlock is one of the things I envision staring back at me from a dark corner yes. in my room. Because he probably he is. probably is. You know, I'm actually just now thinking of this. Count Orlock reminds me of, who is that guy in the movie? Everyone's going to be so mad at me because I don't know the name of this movie, but it has the minions in it. Despicable Me. Despicable Me. Oh my me. God, yeah. They're the same person, but oh one gosh. talks. That is a really I good wonder point. if they drew any comparisons on, on the <laughs> Nosferatu mean, film from the twenties. That is a really that's because a really they point. are the same. They are. They're trying to terrify. Maybe that's an Easter egg. We should look that up. Was that someone? Someone email us. Was that an Easter egg in Despicable Me? Were yeah. they really referencing Nosferatu and no one knew? Good. Yes. Good. <laughs> Drop us a line. Let us tell know. us. Tell us. <laughs> um. So this this movie ended up being a little bit controversial, uh, uh, Nosferatu, because the the heirs to the Stoker uh, fortune, the yep. the Stoker uh, estate, thought it was a little too close to to Dracula, which I mean, I mean it was. Um, so they basically won a court battle that that all the the copies needed to be destroyed, but obviously some survived, and today it's gone on to be heralded as one of the the best silent films, you know, the yeah. best early horror movies. Um, but it should be pointed out that this lawsuit is um, what basically breathed new life. Is that a pun? I like it. It okay. should be. <laughs> into into the Dracula legend, into the lore, into the interest in Dracula. 
So, um, yeah, so that's, that's then where we get the, the movie, the movie was born and then all the subsequent movies and, um, and apparently Bram Stoker did want, uh, before he died, he wanted to see it in a play adaptation and there was a play version. Really? Um, but Universal released it in 1924. I, I don't, I didn't know quite the the timeline there of, of what exactly that was. But um, 1931 is when is when the movie we're talking about now came out, and it uh, it inspired lots and lots and lots and lots through the ages. And it was a movie. Mm-hmm. This, I think, Dracula was the first monster movie. Like, legit monster movie of the Universal Monsters, I should say, that I watched when I was little. And it was so <laughs> scary to me. Yeah. Um, when I went back and watched them in, in preparation for this, because those are movies that I, I will randomly watch from time to time over the years. But I went back and watched them, and I'm always struck by how good the music is. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and I believe, is it it's Dracula and maybe Frankenstein? Where in the opening they use uh, Swan Lake. Oh yes, they do, don't they? Yeah, they do. I think it might have been Dracula was one of them. I don't remember. I can't remember if that was what was playing or not. I think it was uh, Dracula was one of them, but I think the other one might be Frank. Anyway, but the music and the the silence, the moments of silence, you know, that maybe were even kind of sort of a mistake from right from the days of the silent film, kind of a carryover in a way that didn't actually translate, but it did translate. To me, anyway, because it, it's that you just build tension. Yeah, you're like, what? What's gonna happen? Yeah, what's gonna happen? You know. So I don't know. They hold up for me. It holds they, up. The, I think this movie absolutely holds up. Um, that when he, when the count first emerges from the coffin, mm-hmm. and that shot of Bela Lugosi. Oh <laughs> my! That is Dracula. That is Dracula. That's Dracula. Yeah. No mistaking it. And. Yep. I think, um, so I actually stumbled across this really awesome show. It's called 100 Years of Horror, and it's hosted by Christopher Lee. And I'm streaming it on um, Prime right now. I don't, there's probably other ways you can get it too. But they do a whole, um, they have two whole, ep- well, they have plenty of episodes on vampires, but they do one kind of on the classic Dracula and yeah. then one on Bela Lugosi himself. Um, but it's just like, when you think of Dracula, so many people think of that iconic first emergence from the mm-hmm. casket, Bela Lugosi staring off into the distance. Dracula, <laughs> there he is. Or when he's uh, when he's hypnotizing someone, it was just like it, just his eyes, eyes were lit. Yes, and the outstretched claw when he was trying yes. to come here, and Van Helsing. Um, didn't budge his will was so strong he you know he thought he was going to give in and then he didn't and it was awesome yes and I want to say shout out to Lugosi on this role because I think it was so well acted I do think that parts of it were a little more like um emphatic uh 
just because yeah like a bit over emotive just yeah, because of that yeah. that atmosphere but i yeah. think like i think of the scene where van helsing shows um dracula the mirror so yeah at one point you know van helsing has caught on that dracula is indeed their vampire that they're looking mm-hmm. for and dracula's kind of playing it up like oh no i'm just a count from transylvania <laughs> uh-huh. i'm just over here i don't i'm not doing anything weird <laughs> And uh, Van Helsing's like, fuck, yeah, you are. So he's like, guess what I noticed? Look in this box. And there's a mirror in there and he doesn't appear. And just how Lugosi plays that off and smacks it down and looks at him and then walks off into the distance. And then just keeps staring at him, though. Oh, my gosh. That scene, like, that holds up. Like, that is a tense scene. It's a good scene, yeah. That's a great scene. So I'm all for it. And also... Just a little bit that I watched that Lugosi episode of this Hundred Years of Horror show. He was like a badass. He, um, so he kind of pigeonholed himself, which is a little like a little sad because he actually, uh, I, I don't know if they wanted him for the part of the monster or he auditioned for the part of the monster or what with Frankenstein. And then it never happened. So he then just took on the role of Dracula. He's like, okay, I'm not going to be the monster in Frankenstein, and then we can talk later on mm-hmm. this. Obviously, Boris Karloff takes that away and takes it to a whole yeah. new level. Lugosi then becomes Dracula. Well, he's iconic. Dra- he is Dracula. Right. So from that moment on, he's Dracula. And so he had, like, he was an excellent actor. He mm-hmm. had, I think he'd starred in all sorts of different types of movies. He's from um, Hungary origi- originally. Okay. And I think he had been in like dramas and comedies and mm-hmm. all sorts of different types of movies, but he kind of pigeonholed himself a little bit as a horror Dracula vampire actor. Okay. And so I, that's one thing that a lot of people are like, well, was that a good career move to turn down the monster? Because then you're only Dracula. And there was like this fun little back and forth where Lugosi's like, yeah, and I created my my competition in Boris Karloff, right? <laughs> because I turned down the monster and he was an excellent monster. But yeah. um, but he was so good at Dracula. It's yeah. hard to imagine Lugosi as anything other than Dr- Like mm-hmm. they were showing old clips of him in other movies where mm-hmm. he's playing like a scientist or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And I'm like, Dracula, what Dracula. are you doing? <laughs> Dracula, Dracula. What are you doing? Why are you <laughs> helping the Wolfman? Stop helping the Wolfman. The other... This is the most metal as fuck thing I've ever heard in my life. When Lugosi died, he requested to be buried in his Dracula outfit. He's in his cape. I did know that. What? That's awesome. That is pretty badass. I'm just like, yes. Yes to everything. And also I found out that Christopher Lee actually appeared more times as Dracula Mm -hmm. than Lugosi did. But a lot of times when people talk about Dracula, they talk they about Lugosi. Lugosi. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's funny that you bring up Christopher Lee because I'm a big fan of the Hammer, Hammer House of Horror, that Hammer Studios. Mm-hmm. And uh, for my money, the 58 Dracula with Christopher Lee, hands down, is the best one. But you're right. Bella Lugosi is Dracula. It, I mean, he was actually Dracula. Yes. There's no way you're going to convince me otherwise that he was not a vampire who lived in a castle in well i hope he visits your window tonight me too and lures you to the yard i would be okay with that i, th- I think you I would, would. Be okay with that fair enough so yeah dracula excellent movie if you haven't seen mm-hmm. the original please get there uh strays a little bit away from the book if you're like a literature nerd but who cares who cares it's awesome yeah 
here I'll um I'll give my my quote the one quote that I well I mean there's lots of quotes from the movie but for one who has not lived even a single lifetime you are a wise man Van Helsing yes I love that line yes Dracula he knew that and that he was knew. right after the mirror incident. that was right after that <clears throat> that freaking scene iconic <laughs> iconic love it all right what's next the mummy you in I'm in on the mummy all right uh, you wanna, you want me to to say a little about the history first? Yeah, get into the history. Yes, ma'am. Because I have a couple things to say, but I need to, I need to hear the history. <laughs> first. Fair enough. Okay, so 1932, uh, starring as Imhotep, the great Boris Karloff. Mm, yes. Um, this man is an imposing figure. Let's just say that his his Imhotep towers over virtually everyone in the movie. Yes. Um, same thing with the monster, but. Um, so apparently this is one that was not, um, based on a book or, or, or any, any pre-existing thing. Um, it was inspired by the opening of King Tut's tomb, King Tutankhamun's tomb. That was mm-hmm. in 1922, mm-hmm. um, by, uh, an English archeologist who's named Howard Carter. But after they opened it, a lot of strange deaths occurred within the crew. And I think like 11 members of the team. All strange circumstances befell all of them. I think they all died or things happened to them. Um, and also, a cobra ate uh, Howard Carter's canary. So, I mean, the Pharaoh's curse, everybody talks about the Pharaoh's curse, don't open the tomb. Yeah. Um, or this will happen and subscribe. Um, but it just should be known that the cobra was a symbol of royalty. And it ate his canary. It didn't kill him. But it ate his canary. No, that's so I mean, that's pretty bad, though, right? I don't know. But anyway, so it, it was that. in that During that time period in the 20s, so many archaeologists flocked to Egypt. Yes. And, I mean, I, I suppose I mean, a lot of the tombs had already been ransacked and, and that. Yeah. But, I mean, call it what it is. Grave robbing. Yes. Um, that was happening. Um, but this is what led to the movie The Mummy, um, another really popular movie. Um, so... You said you had some stuff to say. I have some stuff to say. I will say with the opening of the movie, so like at the opening of the movie, um, the archeo- like the archaeologists have found that box, right? Mm-hmm. And then they found the mummy. But they're, here, here's the thing. There's a dead dude mm-hmm. just hanging out. Like they have the lid open. They have the lid open. He's just hanging out in the back corner. And then they have this box unopened. And they're, like, super interested in the box. I'm like, uh, did you forget the dead dude staring at you in the corner Yeah, over here? right. But what was really cool about the dead dude, I was impressed by that makeup. Like, that costuming. Yeah, okay. Because it looked really legit. Like, yeah. the wrappings and everything. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I shouldn't say for sure that's legitimately how a mummy would look <laughs> if you opened the coffin. But, like, that looked really cool it yeah. didn't look like you know this fabricated thing to me mm-hmm. um so i was pretty impressed by that uh opening scene and then from there i guess my biggest qualm with this movie is i didn't i like i was so sympathetic to the mummy's mm-hmm. aspirations i literally could give two shits <laughs> like i'm like yeah i'm sorry you have to die okay yeah. okay fine like, just yeah. go to him and help him. Thanks. Bye. You know what? That's funny because I felt the exact same way. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want this? This? Like, yeah. Just do like, it. Just go. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, what are you? Really, what are you doing? You're like, 
drinking a dry martini and smoke <laughs> chain smoking and dancing and that's it that's like the whole of your life but yeah you're right i mean like just go hang out with the mummy the only the one thing i was not sympathetic to the mummy about is that it killed a dog at one point mm-hmm. well the cat killed the dog at, which i'm not i'm real fuzzy on how the hell did that cat kill that dog it was like off in the distance i wasn't super fan of that he was sympathetic the way the way he looked at her was yeah. like he was looking at somebody he hadn't seen in centuries yeah like he loves it, you. that really came across to me yeah um I and like he that. also if you notice anyone else he harms he's not like doing it on purpose it's always because they're going after him yeah and just like leave him the leave fuck him alone, alone man like he'll leave you alone yeah. <clears throat> Some of the pro- problematic depictions of indigenous people, obviously, in the 30s, mm-hmm. and the depictions of women, always. Always. I mean, in any one of these movies. Every minute. Yeah. yeah. Simpering little weaklings. Oh, my God. <sighs> I'm over it. So, okay. Anything you want to add? I think that's it. I think that's it. Overall, Mummy, good, mm-hmm. solid film. Mm-hmm. His makeup, too. His makeup. As as he as he transformed oh, yeah. at the end when he was um, going back to mummy like yes <clears throat> I just imagined them putting rubber cement all over his face so that it you know it would like right crinkle in or yeah they did a good job yeah I think they did too and I know that it's antiquated special effects but to me sometimes those are the best ones those are super fun mm-hmm. I think any of these costumes hold up I think I don't know if he did all of the costuming but Jack Pierce was a big um, big credit back uh-huh. in the universal monsters days i don't know if he did all of these makeups but he did a lot he definitely did the frankenstein mm-hmm. makeup which is excellent i mean that's the gold standard in yeah. my opinion so um so shout out to jack pierce <laughs> hey. hey jack pierce all right i have to take in a, a, a moment here to say the cherry absorbed the alcohol and now i can no longer taste my mouth that's right do i still have a mouth pandemic is floating six feet above the sofa that she's sitting was once sitting on <laughs> it's excellent about to hit the floral <laughs> the floral she's hitting the floral everybody Ooh, floral boy hitting. that is a professional beverage professional bevy okay only the best for andemic <laughs> Ooh, okay frankenstein oh my gosh all right so we we already mentioned uh boris karloff stars as frankenstein's monster it's based on the awesome novel by mary shelley frankenstein or the modern prometheus um fun fact she was only 20 when the novel was published she is a bad badass uh and of course it had to be published anonymously because you know women can't do anything they can't do anything Ugh, I'm over it um except they do everything but that's fine here's all i'm gonna say and then i'm gonna let you roll okay um I don't love this movie because it's so sad. Okay, that's a fair... It's That is a very fair assessment. It's just so sad. I feel for the monster a lot. Yeah. And he makes me care about him. Yeah. And I love this movie. <laughs> I, I um, for all the reasons that you just said, you mm-hmm. were like, I don't know if this is my favorite. That's exactly why it's my yeah. favorite. Because... I sympathize with the monster so much. 
Like, from the very moment this monster wakes up. So, Dr. Frankenstein wants to reanimate a corpse, basically wants to play God mm-hmm. and um, create life, succeeds in creating life in this monster. Yeah. Nameless, first sad part, is this, it, he's known as Frankenstein's monster. He right. doesn't even have a name. Uh, they then, uh, what's the... Um, the the helper's name fritz i think it's fritz i think you're right or fitz or fritz or something like that uh i don't know why but he keeps waving damn fire in his face yeah and he doesn't like fire because he doesn't know what that's about and so like at the very beginning when he first wakes up everyone's like real calm and he's real calm and he's just trying to communicate that he doesn't know what light is and then in comes Fritz with a goddamn torch <laughs> and waving it around in his face. And he gets irate and he's like, why are you raving this fire in my face? I'm scared of it. So they end up chaining him in the basement. Mm-hmm. Irrational. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he Fritz comes down and starts waving fire in his face again. So then he kills Fritz. So then he escapes. They try and kill him. Yep. So he is, you know, knocks them all on their ass and runs away, right? Um, so all of his violence is basically reactioning. He's reaction. He's like react reactioning. He's reacting to like this unbelievable response by these people who just made him. Like what? The saddest scene is the little girl yeah. by the pond. And he but just she think, was nice to him. She was so nice to him. And he thought he was being nice to her. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't. Um, but that's just, again, it's hard to, I mean, that's a horrifying scene. But having led up to that scene with all of the horrible things that these people have done to him. Like, you get, to me, I got so angry at them when I saw that. Yes. Because they should have been kinder and he shouldn't have even been out there he right. should have like they should have been teaching him things right. and being responsible and like it is absolutely mm-hmm. frankenstein's fault he Nurturing kills their he creation. kills that little girl but yeah. that it, it, those people should have taken care of him ahead yeah. of him even getting out of that castle it's, so, it's heartbreaking it's heartbreaking um and then the end they get him. Mm-hmm. They get poor Frankenstein. Oh, well, Frankenstein's monster. They get him. Um, and an iconic windmill fire mm-hmm. scene. So, I don't know. I love this movie. I think it. there's a lot of morality questions that yeah. it brings into play. Um, I'm going to agree. It's a fantastic movie. I just, I don't love hard, it because it's, it's too hard, it's sad. <laughs> it's sad. Like, you're like, why? Why does this happen? have to happen and also mm. like why did you have to add that scene with the little girl yeah. i get it like there's yeah. this weird play on innocence and two kinds of innocence right, and right. i get that whole thing but eh, yeah i don't want to see that no so go watch it great film yeah definitely definitely watch it. watch everything we're watch everything about. we're talking about all right uh, the wolfman Ooh. 1941 Yes. Starring Lon Chaney as the Lon werewolf. Lon Chaney. I'll as say a little man. bit about this. I know this one speaks to Anzemic really well. Um, I really liked this movie. It was it was cool. It was a different um, premise, I guess, than a lot of the other monster movies because mm-hmm. you kind of get hit with the monster right away mm-hmm. or, like, the making of the monster. This one you kind of build up into... Mm-hmm. 
the monster. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I thought the movie was really good. I thought it was well acted. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of sympathy for the wolf man, too. Well, yeah. Was another he one. didn't choose it. He didn't choose to be that way. No. Um, so, yeah, another good one. But andem- this yeah. is a big endemic <laughs> one. No, it, it's just, it is my favorite. I mean, I might as well just reveal this now. It's yeah. my favorite of these because as a kid, the the transition into that wolf man is and and just when i watched it again the other day just to refresh my memory about all of it it still gave me the creep yeah um the way his feet change and you yes. know that that i suppose it'd be stop motion i don't know what that t- camera technique was called i'm not that technical but and then the way he rises up and walks on his tiptoes but oh my oh, god yes um, but anyway, just just to tell you a little bit about what it is, uh, this really oafish dude named Larry Talbot. So oafish. <laughs> yeah. Who is Lon Chaney, um, is bitten by a werewolf while he's out on a date with another man's fiance. With another man's fiance that he found by spying on her with a friggin' yeah. telescope. Okay, yeah. He's, he's not a perfect man. I, I mean, he, 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 you know. It, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, so that happens. Uh, he, he gets bitten and melee ensues. Um, and I'm going to say again, I think the effects are still great. They're fun. Um, to me, I, I don't know. Sometimes when effects are cheesy or computer generated, like in a ton of crap that we have to sit through today. Yes. Um, it takes you takes me right out of the movie. Mm-hmm. But with this, and I don't know if, if it's my childlike love of it, because I loved it when I was a kid, but it did not move me out of it at all. No. You know, I still believe this is happening. This this guy is turning into a werewolf. I, I don't know. Um, anyway, I, I don't want to say too much about it because I want people to go and watch it. Mm-hmm. But th- it's atmospheric. Um, it's well acted. Again, all of these are well acted. All of these them. are these are fantastic actors. Um, I will say there is a, a, a problematic um, depiction of a gypsy. Yes. Um, she always just seems to be lurking around ominously uh, in the in the woods or whatever, you know. So that's that's always a problem. Um, but I like I liked her quote: "Whoever is bitten by a werewolf and lives becomes a werewolf." So. Yes. So anyway, I won't say I won't say anything more about this just because I'm I'm not telling you anything um, useful. I'm just gushing about. It. So, yeah. <laughs> and Demick loves this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. We will uh, move on next. Um, the Invisible Man. Uh, Claude Rains in his first film mm-hmm. um, plays the title character. And this one, as we said earlier, is based on an H.G. Wells novel. Yep. Um, it's about a chemist who figures out how to make himself invisible. Yep. And then exploits his condition to wreak havoc on the world. Yes. He's an ass. Ass. Total ass. He's a total hat. ass. Like, and he was in the book, too. Like, mm-hmm. just a complete, total, narcissistic piece of shit i hate him Mm -hmm. he's killing people he's wreaking havoc on things just because he can because he's on some weirdo power trip yeah get out of my face yeah so let me ask you this if you were invisible yes uh which do you think you'd maintain your sanity and your morals oh that's probably not but i like (laughs) to think that i would like not harm other people that's not a desire of mine I think that it would just, like, if I were invisible, I'd just, like, probably always be in the woods. 
and probably <laughs> never have pants on. Well, I mean, hell no. Well, I mean, if you're invisible. You don't need pants. You don't need pants. So it's just like. Oh my God. I'm, I'm walking in the woods. I'm enjoying my life. Mm-hmm. Please leave me alone. That's yeah, a, I, yeah. I feel like that's what I would. That's uh, That would be me. I feel like I might go scorched earth um, and play a shitload of pranks. And pranks, pranks are fine, though. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I, so, okay. So maybe I'm going to go the Lestat route and, you know, or no, I'm sorry. It wouldn't be the Lestat route. It would be the Louis route. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to kill evil. Okay. Kind of like this invisible vigilante. Yeah. Invisilante. An invisilante. <laughs> done. Done and done. Yeah. So Andemic will be an invisilante, mm-hmm. and I'll be of no use to anyone because I'll just be hanging out with the squirrels. With no pants on. With no pants on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Solid plan. Uh, okay. So uh, the last one we're going to talk about is uh, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. 1954. Yes. Starring Richard Carlson and Julia Adams. Yes, yes, yes. I remember this movie when I was a kid, there was a, a resurgence of the 3D craze. Mm. And you could get 3D glasses from, I don't know, like participating cereal boxes or yes. pizza boxes. Or, so I don't remember exactly where from. But then they played the creature of the Black Lagoon in 3D on TV. That's awesome. I just, I don't remember any more of it than that, but trying to get my hands on the 3D glass. Yeah, like I want to see that coming at me. Um. But I got to say, I love the Gilman. So fun. He does not give one rat that. Why the fuck? He's destroying everything. Um, But see, again, it's one of those things. He falls in love with um, the girl who just happens to be one of these scientists' uh, girlfriends. Right. And it's just him trying to to woo her. Yeah. And, you know, he just keeps getting hounded uh, and chased by scuba divers and shit. Oh, can we talk about the scene where she's swimming and she clearly is like a friggin' uh, like what are they called when they have synchronized swimmer? Like why? What? No one swims like that. She does, she and then does. he's like under her. Under her, like I'm gonna synchronize swim too. Also, one thing, like he he was trying hard for a gill man with that many fucking fins. Why are you trying so hard to swim? You should be faster than that, sir. Fair enough. But, but I get but I get it. Like it's the fifties. Yeah, can't he was make probably that trying happen. not to die He's in the rubber suit. Right. <laughs> Love that. But that is also that's an eerie scene. And that makes oh, you yeah. not want to dangle your toes in the water. Never again. You know, some shit's under there. Yeah. Know. Yeah. So. Grab me. No, thank you. Yeah. But that, I mean, that was super fun. That movie is super fun. It is really um, fun. And the Gill Man, like the makeup there. Awesome. <laughs> Friggin' awesome. But also, stop doing synchronized acrobatics in the goddamn lagoon. Get out of the lagoon. Yeah, why is she in the lagoon anyway? Yeah, gross. You know what's in that lagoon. Right. Weird. Weird choice. The witch has high standards. I have high standards. I'm just going to say. Weird choice. And meanwhile, she's sitting on a branch with no pants. That's right. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we've come to the end of that. Okay, so let's rank the movies, the classics, in order of our favorite to our least favorite. Okay. Let her rip. Okay. My favorite classic movie is Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Followed by Dracula. Okay. Followed by The Wolfman. Followed by The Creature from the Black Lagoon. 
followed by the invisible man. And I have to give the last place to the mummy. Just wasn't not that I didn't like it. I did. I liked Mm -hmm. the movie. It's Mm -hmm. just it wasn't as captivating because I really just wanted the mummy to. Yeah, that's all I wanted. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so obviously my number one is the Wolfman. Yes. Uh, number two, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Okay. The movie's hilarious. So it. good. Um, three, I'm gonna have to give to Dracula. Yes. Because Dracula. I mean that movie. Four. Four yeah. is the Mummy. The Mummy. Okay. Five is the Invisible Man. We are the same on that. Yeah. And then last is Frankenstein, and not because it's a bad movie, because it is not. It just makes me stupid. I get that. I mean, that is a fair critique yeah. of that movie. If you don't like sad things, do not <laughs> yeah, watch that I mean, movie. Yeah, it is. It's really sad. So there you have it. Can I do one call out for all of these movies? Yes, please. They did not know what falling action was in the 19... 19- 30s 40s and 50s i don't think because all of these movies end and then they end there's like oh there's the monster oh let's hunt him okay and that was the the end dead the end <laughs> that is a really good no point. falling action <laughs> like okay i guess that's the end of the movie that's really true you know just yeah. thinking even um the last one i watched was wolfman and he gets smacked several times by a cane and then he's just dead and then he's dead and then the credits roll and then that's it it's like oh man oh hell and then the credits roll holy crap you're right what what happened then (laughs) i don't know i just think it's hilarious i'm like okay that's fine that's fine that's fine that's fine um so one fun fact about uh modern day so that you know obviously the classics 1930s to 1950s right but um, I found out that the Universal Pictures is trying to kind of reprise this whole uh, cinematic universe, yeah. calling it the Dark Universe. Um, and so basically, from my understanding, it would be, you know, all these creatures are supposed to exist within the same universe. And you right. get that with the old movies like the Wolfman versus Frankenstein and all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. They kind of appear in similar movies. They're, they appear in the same movies. Um so they're trying to reprise that in modern day. And I like there's a large part of me that's super excited to see these on the big screen again. Mm-hmm. There's also a large part of me that's so worried. Yeah. Um, just so worried. The one movie, though, that I saw that they're trying to make is a movie all about Renfield. What? Yeah. And I'm actually pretty stoked for that. Yeah. Did you get that? I was stoked. So- for the Renfield movie. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Okay, so what's the last thing we do? What the hell? What the hell? Okay, so my what the hell of the evening <laughs> comes to you from Wired. Um, I found out that they... So the University of Tennessee has what they call their Forensic Anthropology Center. Um, And basically what they're trying to do at their Forensic Anthropology Center is figure out uh, all about the decomposition of human bodies, right? Um, But essentially it's like this big forest, and they call it the body farm. And they recently just um, said that they're looking at 
the plants, like the actual trees on the body farm, to see if they change at all if a cadaver is decomposing underneath the ground. So, like, could they tell from the leaves if there's a body nearby? And they don't know if it's possible. It's all, like, theory right now, and they're just posing the question, and they're going to start researching it, obviously. But um, they're wondering if this could lead um, – to help law enforcement when they're searching for missing people. Like if, if they, if law enforcement could essentially send like a drone out into the forest and take a look at the plants and see if the leaves are reacting in some sort of way. And then they would know the general area to send. What the hell? hell? Isn't that so cool? I was like, good for you, university of Tennessee. Have you ever seen pictures of the body farm? No. Something. Really? Yeah. Um, I've got to see, They thought the cemetery on the ground extended further than they thought. Mm-hmm. And so they brought in cadaver-sniffing dogs. And we got to watch them work. Um, and when they would smell, they're trying to smell uh, human decomposition. Right. They would sit, and then they would mark it with a flag. Oh, that's um, so cool. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Um, so my what the hell is highly frivolous. So ready. So this comes from a news report out of Westchester, New York. Um, We'll put a link to it uh, on the website because you need to hear this scream. Um, So a woman thinks she was. Well, she doesn't. She she, in her. She knows she was chased uh, in Hyde Park in the Hudson Valley by Bigfoot. What? Yeah, it happened on July second. You can hear this wail. but she said she was she was in the forest, and all of a sudden this thing came running, this massive thing came running towards her, and trees were snapping and branches, and she said it leapt into the tree, and all these branches kept falling on her, and it kind of leapt back and forth between a few trees. Um, then I don't recall that they even said how, how she got out of there or what the hell she did, because I don't have that in my story, but... What the hell? What would you do? I think it's fair to say I would shit my pants. Oh, yeah. Um, That'd be like my first, okay, step one, let me shit right now. <laughs> step two. I honestly don't know. I would like to believe that my fight or flight, one of those two. I hope it's not my fight because I'm yeah. 100% losing that. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, if, you know what? I Honestly, I don't know. Or if I would just stand there and stare at it and say, if I'm going down, I'm going down in flames. That's probably what I would do. You know? <laughs> I, don't know. I really don't know. I oh, really my know. God. But what the hell? Um, there are reports like this all over the place um, of people being harassed by these massive things that they don't know what they are. So, I mean, I'm kind of into that. Yeah, I totally am. Because... When I become the invisible forest witch yeah. and just sit upon my branches with my squirrels, yeah. I don't want people coming and bothering me. I will throw an acorn and they'll think it's a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> right. they totally will. They totally will. Oh, I love that. I All love right, that. Well, I mean, yeah, good. All right, everybody. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing all about the classics tonight, um, and I hope that this motivates you to either A, go watch them for the first time, 
or B, watch them again if you've already seen them because they're awesome, awesome movies. Um, Drop us a line. Let us know what your favorite classic movies are or maybe some classic movies that aren't necessarily in the Universal uh, Movies universe um, that you think we should check them out. I'm a big sucker for classics as endemic, so let us know what we're missing. So you can find us at our website, thehorrorsalon.com. Um, you can drop us a line at info at thehorrorsalon.com. As always, please join us on our Instagram. We got fun stuff going up there all the time and also get those drink recipes. So that's at the horror salon. So please join us for all of the fun. And now the candle is out. The glasses are empty. I'm your co-host, The Witch. And I'm your co-host, Andemic. We'll see you next time at the Horror Salon. It's The Witch and Andemic. Music for this episode is Rage by the 126ers. Check out our website for show notes and links to some cool extras. Later, nerds.